chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, and we got down through verse 14 last week, so we pick up tonight in verse 15. Proverbs 22 and verse number 15. Solomon said, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Well, that doesn't need any explanation, does it? I mean, that is, oh, that's just, I mean, in your face, blunt, crystal clear. Everybody understands that. And uh, and certainly anybody that has ever raised children, uh, uh, well, you, uh, Hey, let's not kid ourselves. You don't have to ha- have had any children to understand this. All you got to do is have a, you know, a, a memory. Just think back to when you were a child and all of the foolish stuff that you did. And so we can all identify with this. We understand it. Uh, the problem is it just needs to be put into practice. Every single area of our society has suffered because of the fact that parents have failed to discipline their children. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about Jennifer a while ago and these teachers that have to deal with the kids, you know, and, and they come out of homes where uh, a lot of them have absolutely no discipline there whatsoever. Uh, they, they don't have a good example in their mother or dad, may not even know who their dad is. And so they go off to a public school and uh, lo and behold, you're supposed to uh, teach kids, and, and when in reality they've never been uh, disciplined in such a way that they are actually ready to learn. And mark it down, when this is neglected, all of society is affected so many times. Uh, and I remember years ago, this was probably 30 years ago, in fact I was still in Cincinnati at that time, and, and I read an article, and it happened to be by uh, the police chief in Houston, Texas. I'll never forget that. And it was talking about the need to discipline children and concluded uh, uh, one of the remarks was that, you know, it'd probably be more fair to put the parents of some of these prisoners in jail instead of the prisoners themselves because the parents are the ones responsible for making them, you know, what they are. And uh, a, a lot of times this neglect has, has gone on for years and years and years. Let me tell you, uh, whenever, whenever you just let a kid grow up without discipline and then let's decide later on in life, you get your act together, you start going to church, and uh, now you want to live the right kind of life, you know what you ought to do. And so now you're going to try to corral your kid and get your, your, your child to behave properly, I'm telling you, the longer you wait to exercise discipline, it reaches a point to where it's well nigh impossible for you to change them. That, listen, that's why the Catholics have always said, you know, give us a kid till he's five or six years old, you'll never change him. You'll never change him. Now, I, I'm not saying that that's necessarily true, but that is their philosophy in trying to instill into them the beliefs of Catholicism. And so, uh, there's something to be said for that. If we're going to reach our children, and remember one of the other verses said in regards to child discipline that we are to do it betimes, which means early. Uh, we're to do it whenever they're little. And, uh, and, and I'll, I'll say right now, if as a parent you have neglected your responsibility to discipline your children, 
Number one, you need to recognize that you have failed to do what God commanded. You need to repent of your sin, number one. But number two, you ought to apologize to your kid. Uh, discipline is not popular. It's not a popular concept. You go to a lot of the secular psychiatrists or psychologists and counselors and what have you, and there are those that, you know, Dr. Phil would tell you, uh, you know, it's his belief that you shouldn't spank kids. Well, uh, you know, I, I agree with what the Bible says. I, I think God knows more about it than Dr. Phil does. And uh, the Bible tells us to do that. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. I tell you, when the kid knows they're going to get a spanking for doing what's wrong, they'll think twice before they do it again. Well, verse 16. Now, keep that in mind, because later on, whenever we get further down here in a few verses, this matter of self-discipline and the importance of it is going to come up again. And so you can relate that back to this, that, that this is where a child has to learn self-discipline, and that's by being disciplined by their parents. Verse 16, He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches, and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. Now here we see two different activities. Uh, they're different, but both of them are selfish, and sinful. Notice the one is somebody that oppresses the poor uh, in order to in order to increase their own goods. They make life more difficult for those who already find life to be difficult. And it, it, it's sinful for us to do that to anyone. To think about us increasing our riches. By taking away from those that are poor uh, is, you know, is, is, is amazing that we could even think that that might possibly be right. But the other one, notice, is to give to the rich. Now that just, something about that doesn't sound right. We, you know, we think about giving and it's hard to think about it, giving ever being wrong. You know, we know it's wrong to rob the poor, right? I mean, that, that's pretty easy to figure out. But to give to the rich, uh, it, it just seems to, uh, it seems to be something wrong with that picture. Uh, so how could giving be wrong? Well, we know taking from the poor is wrong because they're downtrodden. And people, listen, let me tell you, the number one target usually are those that are poor because uh, people will take advantage of them because they know they don't have the means or the funds or the ability to be able to seek justice. They, you know, some of them can't even hire a lawyer or anything like that. So they, you know, they're in a, in a spot. They don't know what to do. And so that's obviously wrong. But to give to the rich. Now, this is where the matter of motive comes into the picture. And usually when we think about giving to, you know, the rich, it, it's usually to get something from the rich. It's not, it's not because you're giving them something they need. They are rich. We all know that if you've got a lot of money, a, a lot of connections with business people and what have you, you, you can get some of the best discounts you ever saw in your life. 
I mean, you can, listen, you can buy stuff on the cheap and nobody else can even get close to buying it for that. You, you go into a car lot and, you know, you're just a poor person and I'll guarantee you, you're going to pay top dollar. And if you buy it on credit, you're going to pay more interest. You let somebody in to come in there that's rich and maybe known in the community or somebody that's famous. Man, they'll cut it down to the bare bones bottom and give them a, a great deal. Why? Well, it's because they know there is some advantage for them in having a client, for example, that is somebody that's famous or somebody that is rich. And, and so they do that in order to get something. And even giving, just like stealing is wrong, giving is wrong if our motive is wrong. If we're giving in order to get then we're not going to be blessed. And that's why he ends up this verse by saying that people that do that, either one of these things, shall surely come to want. You know, we generally think about, this is a way to get ahead. I'll either steal from the poor, or I'll do something, you know, uh, in, in order to impress the rich, and, and they'll do a favor for me in turn. And so this is a way to get ahead. But the Lord said, no. No, the Lord said that's that's a good way to come to want. In other words, God will bring us down to nothing when we have that attitude of inconsideration for other people that we, we would either steal from them or use them in order to get something from them. Motive matters to God. Uh, for example... Uh, Jason, Jason just, boy, I just love the way he plays that piano and the songs and the way he puts it together and so plain, so simple and speaks to your heart. And that is such a blessing. And I know Jason and I know he's doing it because he loves the Lord and he loves God's people and he wants you to get a blessing out of it. But let me tell you, if he or anybody else, if what they do is for vain glory instead of seeking to glorify God, then it's all in vain. There's no blessing in it for them. Uh, you, 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 the same thing's true of a pastor. If he's in the ministry, if he's in the ministry for the money, in the first place, he's a fool. I mean, if he's in the ministry for the money, he, uh, man, he's not very smart to start with. But if he's in the ministry because he gets a paycheck, uh, there's no reward in that. Motive matters to God. Well, verse number seventeen. Bow down thine ear, and hear the words of the wise, and apply thine heart unto my knowledge. Now, starting here in this verse, and on through verse number 21, you're going to see that each one of these verses here deals with the need to hear and to heed the Word of God. And, and, and through these verses, we learn some really important principles and uh, we need to pay close attention. But this very first verse has to do with the responsibility of it. The responsibility of us hearing the Word of God, heeding wise counsel. And he mentions three things that's involved in this. Notice the first thing he mentions in verse 17 is humility. He says, bow down thine ear. Bow down thine ear. Now, anytime you see that phrase, bow down, you're getting a picture of humility. And he's talking about, you know, in regards to hearing the Word of God, bow down your ear. Look, it's essential to being, to being teachable that we be humble. And by that, I simply mean we need to admit 
that we need to learn. The hardest people in all of the world to teach are those that think they know it all. And I got news for you, none of us know it all. I've been studying the Bible now for 50 years and preaching the Bible for 50 years, and I sure don't know it all. And if God let me live another 50 years, I wouldn't know it all. We need to be humbled enough to admit that we don't have all of the answers. And these people that just assume they don't need anybody's help, they can figure it all out. You know, if there's any way to get to heaven, ah, they're going to figure it out and they'll get there. Uh, you know, in their mind, one religion is just as good as another religion. So it really doesn't make any difference, as they say. As long as you're sincere, that's all that matters. And we live in a day and age, of course, where uh, where in, in their mind, truth is relative. There's no absolute truth, they say. You've got your truth, I've got my truth. And, and either one of them, one just as good as the other, you know. And, uh, I mean, folks, that that is insane. Two plus two is four. That's absolute. And let me tell you, when it comes to spiritual things, there are absolute truths. So where do we look for the standard? Well, the standard is this old black book that I hold in my hand here. It's the Word of God. If that's not the standard, let me tell you right now, then we don't have a standard we don't have a standard. This is the one and one and only reliable standard that we can depend upon. And we've got to realize if we're going to learn anything, we've got to admit that we don't know everything. So he starts with humility. Bow down thine ear. Now notice the next thing that he speaks of is hear. It must be humility, but there must be hearing. Notice he says, and hear the words of the wise. I am amazed how many times the Bible speaks about hearing. I mean, that, that, I mean, that ought to be a give me, you know. It just, why should the Bible have to address that? And, and speaking even to God's people, the importance for them to hear. You see, God knew that we would have a problem in that area. And I'm telling you, uh, getting people to listen is one of the most difficult things in all of the world. And educators are banging their heads against the wall trying to figure out how can I get my message across? Because we're living in a day of the, of the shrinking, shrinking attention span. Uh, you, you can't hardly get people to sit still for, for anything. It, it kind of amazes me though. You know, they, you, you see these kids and they got a, a video game going and they're just, they're going like this and they're, they're locked into that. And they can do that for hours. Right? But, but they go to school or they come to church. And boy, you, especially when you're standing up here and you're looking out there, and and you can tell now if you tell a little joke or something like that, you'll get them to laugh. You got their attention. They're smiling, what have you? They're really engaged. But it's just a matter of a few minutes. You can tell their little minds are starting to wander. And it's not just the kids. Getting people to listen is so very difficult. And the problem is. When we talk about the attention span shrinking, it goes back to this matter of self-discipline. That is the thing that is lacking. There are people, now listen, there are different reasons for this. I want to qualify that. There are people that absolutely cannot read a book. Now, some people, of course, because of 
eye problems or something of that nature, they actually can't because they just can't stay focused on it. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those that are not disciplined enough to just sit down and read a book. Uh, we we want everything spoon fed and we want it fast. This is the this is the MTV generation and man, we just want everything to come at us all at one time and it's give us readers digest. I'll never forget when they announced some years ago somebody was going to come out with a readers digest version of the Bible. You know, that's for people that don't want to, you know, they don't want to mess around with reading the whole Bible. They just want an abbreviated edition. And so somebody said, well, we'll give them the Reader's Digest Bible. Well, I'm going to tell you, if we don't have enough discipline to sit and to listen and to read and to focus, we're in a lot of trouble. So notice it starts with humility, recognizing the fact that we don't know it all. Whenever I wandered into the Community Baptist Church many years ago as a lost sinner, knowing nothing whatsoever about the Bible, just knowing that my life was messed up, I I didn't know what to do. And so somebody invited me to church, and I thought, well, it can't hurt. It can't hurt. And, and, And so when I went in there, I went in with an open mind, which was very unusual for me. I remember the one time, only time anybody ever tried to witness to me about the Lord, and that was in high school, a young man by the name of Gary Wilson uh, came over to my house one day. Now, this we'd never had anything really to do with each other whatsoever, but he come over to my house, come up, knocked on the door, said, hey, come, can I talk to you a little bit? And I said, sure. I went out, sat down in the car with him. We sat there and chatted for a minute, and he he started asking me about if I, whether I was a Christian or not. And I said, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Baptist. <laughs> now, really, that's, that's, that's what I said. I didn't know the difference. I just heard Mama say that she agreed with Baptists more than anybody else. So I thought that sounded like a really good answer. And that, that's what I told him. And so he just, you know, he's one of these, he just kind of kept pushing things. And I told him, look, I've got, I've already got my own, you know, beliefs. I, you know, I, I, I feel good about it and what have you. You see, that's what pride is. It's closing your mind to the truth. You don't want to face reality. You don't want to look at yourself as you really are. But whenever sin brought me down to the very bottom, as it were, and I walked into the community Baptist church. I was willing to listen to just about anybody. And boy, as I listened for a few weeks over and over to the Word of God and, and began to see that this is a book unlike anything I'd ever seen in all of my life. I knew about the Bible, of course, but I never read it. And all of a sudden, it began to make sense. I began to understand. Nobody had ever explained to me. My problem was that I was a sinner. But I couldn't do anything about it until I was willing to admit it, that I am a sinner. I have sinned against God, and because I am a sinner, I don't really have any great love and affection for other people. That means I don't, I, I, I don't see any problem in mistreating them. I'd steal from them. I'd punch them in the nose. I, whatever. I, I, that was just survival of the fittest. If you can do it, do it, you know. And that was kind of my philosophy. And... Uh, But all of a sudden, I begin to realize that my life is never going to be right until it gets right with God. 
And, and then I learned, of course, and heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God loved me so much that he himself took up on himself the form of a man and came down to earth and lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay my sin debt in order that I could be saved. And that his sacrifice was sufficient to save my soul if I would just trust him. And I did. But, but notice, that starts with humility, acknowledging the truth about ourselves. And, and then notice the necessity to hear. But here's the third thing mentioned in this verse, and that is where he says, and apply thine heart unto knowledge. That, that means we need to heed what we hear. You know, this is probably where we really fail the most. There are so many times that we hear and we know, but we never put the truth into practice. We hear, it might be that just like the kids in Sunday school and they have memory verses and they'll, they'll memorize a verse of Scripture and we got kids here who can stand up and I mean they'll shock you. They can just, they can rattle one off after another, after another, after another like that. And that's wonderful. We need to hide the Word of God in our heart like the Bible tells us to do. That's wonderful. But listen, it's one thing for us to hear it, one thing for us to know what it says. It's another thing for us to do what it says. And we don't benefit from it unless we give heed to what we've heard. Remember, the Apostle James says we are to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Every week. All across America, there are people that get up on Sunday morning, put on their Sunday go to best, uh, or Sunday go to meeting clothes, and go off dressed the very best they can. And they'll sit down, they'll sing some some hymns about Jesus, they'll listen to the Word of God, they'll get up and walk out of the building, and never give any thought to really put it into practice what they've heard. And let me tell you, we are responsible to God for our actions. And whenever, for example, the Bible says, unto whom much is given of him shall much be required. If you've had a mother, a daddy, a grandma, a grandpa, a Sunday school teacher, or someone that cared enough about you to tell you what the Word of God says, and you refuse to heed what God has said, you, you've got you got to answer to God. We are accountable to God for our actions, and that's why we need to heed the Word of God. Well, let's move on. Now, remember, on down through verse twenty-one, we're still talking generally about this same subject, and it starts here with the need for humility and to hear and to heed. Now, verse eighteen: For it is a pleasant thing. If thou keep them, and that refers back to what he was talking about, the words of knowledge, the words of wisdom. It's a pleasant thing if thou keep them within thee, they shall withal be fitted in thy lips. Now, we've been talking about the responsibility to hear and heed the word of God. Now, the our attention here is turned to the results or the rewards of doing that. The last verse was the responsibility, but this has to do with the reward of giving heed to the Word of God. It's giving us the reason to do what we are required to do. And notice what Solomon says. He says, it is a pleasant thing. A 
pleasant thing if we keep God's word in our heart and in our mind. Now, you know, I wouldn't be surprised by this at all if he had said it is a profitable thing. Because that would fit in perfect, right? It's a profitable thing to hear and to heed the word of God. That's profitable. But he says pleasant. And, and that word pleasant there has to do with something that brings pleasure. You know, that is exactly the opposite of the way that the world looks at it. The world thinks that we Christians are a bunch of fools, that we have bought into something that is depriving us of the greatest joys of life. They, they, they look at God as some cruel taskmaster, someone that, you know, is a killjoy. He doesn't want us to be happy. He just wants us to bow down and submit to him. And they've got it in their mind that if they follow the principles of God's word, if they obey the word of God, if they do the things God has told them to do, they can have any fun in life. Oh, yeah, man, I've got to to quit this, and I've got to quit that, and it's it's just taking all the fun out of life. Let me tell you, there is no one on this earth as happy as a Spirit-filled Christian. No one. In fact, in trying to describe that person, the Bible says they have a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. They have a joy, in other words, you, you can't even put it into words. It's something that is far beyond anything that uh, the world can imagine. And over and over again, as the Bible describes what we have in Christ, it uses superlatives. In other words, when he's talking about peace, he says, the peace that passeth all understanding. It doesn't just say, well, you know, if you become a Christian, you'll have peace in your heart. No, it's more than that. It's a peace that passeth all understanding. It is a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. It is a love that passeth knowledge and on and on and on. And, and so he's emphasizing the fact that in the, in the, Obedience to God's Word in being willing to humble ourselves and to hear and heed what God says, to obey God, in doing that, we are going to find the greatest pleasure in life. Somebody says, I just, boy, I just, I just really dislike that part of the Bible, all of those commandments, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. I like the way the old country preacher years ago explained it. He says, whenever God says, don't do this or don't do that, what he's really saying is don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. You know, that, that's, a, that's a great way to put it because God has our best interest at heart. And you look at those commandments and you just go down through that list and look at each one of them and, and anybody that will think this through will have to admit that this world be a whole lot better off if we did what God commanded. Amen? And, and because God has our concern at heart. It's not just a matter of us, you know, living up to the standard that God has set because He's, you know, the person in authority. It's because God has a real genuine interest in our welfare. And... Um, Notice he says, is a pleasant thing. Talking about the words of wisdom now, if you keep them within thee. 
whatever is in our heart is going to that's going to affect our mind and our actions. And remember, the psalmist said, "Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against Thee." And we need to store up these words of wisdom that we need to. Uh, and that's why memor- the memorization of the Bible is so very important. And, and I've noticed over the years so many times that, y- you know, maybe it goes back to a verse that I memorized 50 years ago. And I didn't maybe see any particular great need in remembering that verse. But all of a sudden I find myself in a situation and uh, the, it's like the Holy Spirit just reminds me of that particular verse of Scripture, and it's exactly what I need for what I'm going through. We, we need to hide the, the Word of God in our heart lest we sin against God. Now, what time is it? I, well, I'm going to stop right there. Verse number 19, I, let me read that, and Lord willing, we'll pick up there next week. He says that... So you know this relates to what he just said, right? That thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee, that thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. You know, let me tell you, people wonder so many times what preaching and teaching is all about. It's that we might, through the Word of God, help people to find faith in God. He says, that thy trust, you know, might be in the Lord. And, hey, that's the main thing, because none of us are going to solve our problems and have our needs met, as it were, until we turn to the Lord in faith. And the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And and I appreciate you being here tonight. I, I hope maybe something that we've considered will help you as you go away realizing how important it is that you hide God's Word in your heart and that you put it into practice. Anyone, anyone have maybe an announcement or something we forgot about? Uh, something coming up that we haven't thought about? Uh, You know, usually on Wednesday night, we don't all stand and sing a verse of invitation like we normally do. But let me say this, anytime, uh, anytime anybody is ever here and maybe, maybe you're here and you think, you know, well, I, I'd sure like to know more about how to be saved and how to go to heaven. I, I want you to come to me and you let me know. It doesn't make any difference what time it is or where it is or anything else because I'm not doing anything more important than uh, being available to you if your concern is about the salvation of your soul. So please don't hesitate to let me know. All right, let's all stand together.